Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Okay, Here is the Story. I'm the host, Dee Burns. A story, by definition, is an account of imaginary or real people and events told for entertainment purposes. I believe that life is a story, and I feel honored to tell you these stories. And if given the chance, I would love to tell your story. So, on this episode, yay! I'm so excited. I am starting my five-part series on the show, Emergency Call. Check your local listings for dates and times. (laughs) This episode today will summarize the show. It'll give you some facts and history about the 911 system. And I will discuss the issues that we face today regarding the 911 system. My next episode, um, I, I have four more episodes after this one. They will include the call centers. I have a show with the Ogden, Utah and the Austin, Texas call center combined in one. And then I will have a show for the New Orleans call center. And then I will have a show for the call center in Wasilla, Alaska. And then I am ending my five part series with the finale. It is a live interview with Jazzy Betcher. She is a call center operator for the fifth location, Waukesha, Wisconsin. And I am here to tell you, she is an amazing person and the interview was amazing. She is just a total sweetheart. And I learned a lot from her regarding the 911 system. But before I start this episode today, I need to get some business out of the way. I'm always looking for sponsors and or advertisers. If you're interested, please email me at okayhereisthestory at gmail.com. Please don't forget to include all your contact information. You will now be able to find this podcast on whatever platform you use for your podcasts. You will also be able to find the newest episode uploaded to my website, okayhereisthestory.com. All of our social media links can be found in this show's description. For future episodes, I will be addressing bullying. I will look at what it is, what is being done today to address it, and are we doing a better job today than just a few years ago? If you've ever been bullied or know someone who was and you would like to share your story, please send me an email to okayhereisthestory at gmail.com. Unless otherwise noted, I will share your story and your first name only. If you're interested in being interviewed for the podcast, please include all of your contact information. You may be contacted to be interviewed by the podcast. Finally, if you'd like to make a donation to this podcast, you can find me on my GoFundMe page. Okay, here is the story. All donations will be used to purchase hardware and software for this podcast. No one involved with the show will be paid. GoFundMe is a secure page for donations. And I want to just take a minute and I want to thank those who have already donated to the podcast. I appreciate it. And please know that your money is being well spent. So I have been working on each episode of my five part series of the new show, Emergency Call. Check your local listings for dates and times. (laughs) I am totally obsessed with this show. And as I go through this series, I'm going to be telling you about what I loved about the show, things I've learned from the show, and how maybe ABC can make it just a little bit better. There's not very many changes that they have to do, but there's a few. 
So let me start out by saying this show is hosted by Luke Wilson. If you don't know who Luke Wilson is, he is Owen Wilson's brother. As Luke opens the show, he says, and I'm going to quote here, quote, I've always wondered what happens when we call 911. Who are the mysterious voices on the other end of that line? Who are the faceless strangers that we reach out to in our darkest moments and navigate the unknown? They keep calm in the chaos. They are driven by a desire to help. This is what I found. End of quote. Okay. So I'm going to start out by saying, here is something that ABC can change. I have a really hard time believing that Luke Wilson is sitting in his mansion in Hollywood wondering about 911 operators. I just, <laughs> is it, you know, his wonder about it is just so great that he decided to do a show about it. Yeah, that was a really hard sell, ABC. I will say that he does do a great job of hosting the show. He really does. And I will say that ABC has done a great job of sprinkling in little facts about the 911 system, call data, and national statistics. I will bring a few of those to your attention as I go through this series. So due to the nature of the show, you know, its content is already a very dramatic show. It, it keeps you on the edge of your seat. It really does. You just never know what's going to happen next. So that being said, ABC, you do not need to have your camera angles so freaking close to the faces of the 911 operators. You're right in their eyeballs. You are right on their brows and you're on the face as a whole. ABC, no woman. And I mean, absolutely no woman. It does not matter what her age, how beautiful she is. No woman should have a camera that close to her face. I'm just going to leave that right there, ABC. And you could do with it what you want. But, whew, yeah, you need to back off the camera angles just a little bit. So 240 million is how many calls 911 receives in a year. That is a quarter of a billion calls a year. Let me say that again. <laughs> that is a quarter of a billion calls, a quarter of a billion. These calls can range anywhere from a traumatic situation to a butt dial. Speaking of butt dials, <laughs> 84 million phone calls a year are accidental to 911. Some of the accidental callers highlighted on the show say things like, I didn't understand what the call OnStar button meant. <laughs> my phone did it. And this is my favorite. This is a smartphone. It's not very smart. <laughs> so, you know, it, that, that part was kind of funny when they did a little segment on butt dials and, and people not knowing how to work their phones. I will say, as I watched the first episode, I thought, I could totally be a 911 operator. <laughs> yeah. Well, by the third episode, yeah, I was like, no, that's not happening. <laughs> it's just the average career span for a 911 operator is two years. And let me tell you, I don't know how these women and men, there's men in there too, 
do this job. I really don't. How do you do this job and not smoke and not drink? And, you know, I mean, oh my gosh, it is just so, so stressful. But we'll go into that later. Luke does state in one of the episodes that since COVID-19, domestic calls have increased by 20%, which makes sense since we were all staying at home or in quarantine for such a large amount of time. Now, that being said, do not, and I mean do not, walk away from this podcast saying that I approve of domestic violence. I do not. I do not approve of any kind of domestic phone call. I'm just saying they went up by 20%. And not that I understand it, but it makes sense since we were all home living on top of each other. We were all in quarantine. But anyway, he goes on to say that calls involving accidents, work injuries, and bar fights... <laughs> have decreased over the same time period, which makes sense because again, we were quarantined, we were at home. So we weren't out driving. So there weren't as many accidents. Um, most of us were working from home. So there's no work injuries and we weren't going out to restaurants or bars. So there would not have been as many bar fights. So that makes sense to me. There are 6,000 call centers in the United States. This show just covers five call centers, as I said before. Um, They're located in Ogden, Utah, Austin, Texas, New Orleans, Wasilla, Alaska, and Waukesha, Wisconsin. This show addresses real 911 calls in all five of these locations. Uh, it'll take you from the beginning of the phone call to the end of the phone call, where you will sometimes get a resolution of the call and sometimes you don't. And that seems to be a real big issue with 911 operators, which I understand. They don't always get a resolution to the phone call. Just like on the show, sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. So sometimes you walk away from the phone call just not knowing what happened. And, you know, imagine having that for your career. <laughs> I can't imagine. Andy Denhart of the website realityblurred.com summarizes the show by saying, emergent, and I quote, emergency call is rescue 911 without the reenactments and with Luke Wilson instead of William Shatner. It Austin sensibly focuses on the 911 operators and dispatchers who are the first to talk to people who call for help and who actually are the people responsible for sending the correct help to the right places, end of quote. This is a very accurate description. As I was watching the first episode, I have to tell you, I did have flashbacks to the show Rescue 911. And as you will hear in my um, interview with Jazzy, Betcher from Waukesha, Wisconsin Call Center. She said the same exact thing. She said, when I first saw the show, I was like, this is Rescue 911. <laughs> so if you liked Rescue 911 back in the day, you will really like this show. I will say another thing about this show is it is very clear that these calls are reenacted. From the beginning, the show makes the following disclaimer, and I will quote this. This program depicts real call centers handling actual 911 calls. Some calls have been re-recorded for the protection of privacy and or edited for time. I will say that the reenactments are really good. I Not once did I ever think, oh, somebody's just reading this from a transcript. It's not a real call. If this disclaimer was not in the beginning of the show, I might think it was an actual phone call. I mean, it's just that realistic. And some of them are, but some of them are edited. Andy Denhart goes on to discuss the operators themselves. He states, and I quote, they're the real stars, yet they're far too anonymous, despite being the only people we see. 
The show jumps between dispatch centers, places including New Orleans, Louisiana, Waukesha, Wisconsin, Wasilla, Alaska, and Austin, Texas, but it never really develops the dispatchers into full characters. Sometimes they share details about their lives, but they remain almost as flat as the scenery. I believe that Andy needs to watch all 10 episodes again. These operators show us glimpses into their personal lives on a weekly basis. We meet their children. We go into their homes. Uh, we, we feel the emotions that they feel as they navigate through their workday. And we see that personal lives and sometimes those, uh, their personal life and their work life, sometimes those two lives will intersect and it makes the show more dramatic and exciting. I'm going to go as far as to say that Andy probably hasn't worked in any kind of emergency situation. Um, as he compares these m amazing, wonderful operators to the scenery of the show found in the background. I mean, he compares them to the lamps and the clocks and the file cabinets and everything else. And it's like, Andy, these operators are front and center and they make the show. They're human and they have human emotions, unlike the clocks and like the lamps and the maps that you compare them to. I just want to ask Andy, did you notice all the moments the operators were wiping their eyes when they were reaching for a tissue or when they were walking away from a call because they had to go catch their breath? I, I just don't know how you can say that these operators show don't show emotion because they do. It, they show it every week. And, and I, I just, I think Andy really missed the mark on that one. So now I'm going to talk about the history of 911. Luke Wilson, uh, he does say that the 911 system began on March 13th, 1964, when in reality, the event that happened in the early morning hours of this date is what catapulted the 911 system to the foreground and the system we know today was launched. Catherine Susan Genovese also known as Kitty Genovese, was returning home from her bartending job at approximately 2.30 in the morning in New York City. I want to say it was Queens. So Kitty parked her car in an empty parking lot across the street from her apartment building. And as she got out of the car, she was approached by a man whose name was Winston Mosley. He stabbed her and he left her on the ground to die. So he takes off running. He stabbed her. He takes off running. As he attacked her, Kitty screamed, oh my God, he's stabbing me. Help me. Okay, remember that. So like I said, he, he ran away from the scene. Somehow, Kitty made it across the street to the entryway of her apartment building. And then Winston came back and he found her and he stabbed her several more times. And Kitty died from those stab wounds in her apartment building entryway. There were some reports that Winston also raped Kitty, but I couldn't find a verification for that information. So I don't know if that's true or not. This was a brutal attack that lasted over 30 minutes. Kitty was stabbed at least 14 times. And it was reported that despite Kitty's screams, not a single witness came to her aid. This case has led to research being done on what is known as the bystander effect. Go ahead and Google bystander effect if you're interested in the research that's been done, there is a ton of it. It's been sociological research, psychological research. I mean, there's all kinds of research. And if you're interested in it, just Google bystander effect. 
1967, the President's Commission on Law Enforcement and Administration of Justice recommended that a single number should be established nationwide for reporting emergency situations. Okay? So they were originally talking about having three different numbers, and depending on your emergency is what your number would be. So let's just say you want to call the police. Your number would be 611. If you wanted to call ambulance, it would be 911. If you wanted to call fire, it would be 811. So that's what they were looking at originally. It was later determined that having three numbers would be, three different numbers would be conflict, would be conflicting to the purpose of a single universal number. So they just, they threw that idea out. They said, forget it. We're not going to have three different numbers. We're going to have one number. So this commission started discussing on what the number should be. Okay. It was agreed that the number would be only three digits, as we said before, because it would be easy to promote and educate the public about it. And it would be memorable. It was noted that the number should be something that a child would be able to remember the three-digit number in an emergency situation. So the search for what this number would be began. It was decided the first number would be a nine because not many area codes begin with the number nine and they felt that would cause less confusion. So, okay, then it, we got the number nine. Great. Then it was decided. Okay, now this is the funny part. <laughs> It was decided the last two numbers would be one because the time at the time we had rotary phones and the one was the shortest number to dial. Hence the number 911 was born. So for those of you listening to my podcast who are quite younger and do not know what a rotary phone is, Google it. Just type in rotary phone and you will see all kinds of pictures of what a rotary phone is. But at the time, that's what we had. And like I said, the one was the shortest number to dial. Okay. So now we're going to move from rotary phones to wireless cell phones. The technology for 2021 doesn't match the system built in the 70s. For a while now, we've had the technology for a Facebook user to check in at a specific location or Uber can find us within 50 feet and Google can track every location we visit in a day. But within the last two years, both Google and Apple have made a small but crucial change to the way your location is shared when you call 911. Operators can now have better access to your precise whereabouts when you call from a wireless phone. Okay. So both Apple and Google have now incorporated technology from a company called Rapid SOS. So 911 dispatch operators can tell precisely where a wireless caller is located. In the past, wireless carriers would use a system of triangulation to show where a caller was at. This can be really inaccurate since it relies on coming up with a location based on the location of cell phone towers which can be far apart. Rapid SOS, which serves as a clearinghouse for this up-to-date data, convinced Google and Apple to add the Rapid SOS software to Android 4 Plus and iOS 12. Now, when you make a call, data about your precise location is also sent to dispatchers. There is nothing extra that you need to do for the location data to be sent if your phone software is up-to-date. So please, please, please 
make sure your phone software is up to date because this data is very important to the 911 operators. And in future episodes, I will discuss um, how to find your specific location on your phone. Uh, if you're if the 911 operators don't know, you can give them your specific longitude, latitude um, information. About 50% of the call centers now have this technology. They have the rapid SOS technology. Um, so this new technology uses Bluetooth beacons, GPS, and Wi-Fi access points, and it combines the data to give accurate placement of the caller within feet instead of miles. This program is also offered to all call centers free of charge. They just have to request it. And you can find out how to do that online by Googling um, call center request for rapid SOS software. The FCC saw the success of this program and they set a deadline of April 3rd, 2021 for the three major wireless companies, AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile to start providing this data to 911 operators in the largest 25 markets. And they were to also include a plan to launch it nationally by June of 2021, okay? So in February, okay, February of this year, 2021, when the deadline is in April, in February, all three companies asked the FCC for an 18-month extension for implementing this technology due to lack of testing that they were able to do due to COVID-19. The FCC denied the request, and in June of 2021, they reached an agreement that within seven days of this denial date, the companies would start to provide 911 call centers with the location data that they requested. The carriers also agreed to implement compliance plans that they would each pay $100,000 in fines. So the FCC got $300,000 from these three companies because they did not meet their deadline. The current FCC commissioner, her name is Jessica Rosenworschel. I hope I pronounced that right. I don't know if I did or not. But she made this quote. Six years is too long to wait for 911 vertical location information that can save lives. These settlements accomplish what has evaded the agency for too long. They ensure that the FCC, public safety, and wireless carriers work together to immediately start delivering this information to first responders without further delay. They also ensure that we are improving our 911 location accuracy capabilities everywhere in the country and not just in the top 25 markets, end of quote. So since these companies did not reach the deadline of April, 2021, a new one's been set by the FCC for April of 2022. So they didn't get their 18-month extension, but they did get a new deadline for a year from April. And these three main carri carriers will be required to have what is called the next-gen 911 system implemented, tested, and ready to be implemented nationwide by this date. So hopefully by April of next year, we'll, we'll have everything, we'll have all the technology to the appropriate call centers that we need to have. So as I close the show today, I want to encourage you to watch the show Emergency Call. Check local listings for date and time. <laughs> In my next episode, I will be covering the Ogden, Utah and Austin, Texas locations. So make sure to catch that because it's really good. 
I also want to thank all, all of the first responders out there for the job you do every day. You are all brave and we admire you for what you do. Thank you so much. Again, you can find us at okayhereisthestory.com where you can get the latest podcast episode. You can read my blog or look for information regarding my upcoming book, I Got the Final Word. All of my social media links can be found on my website or in this show description. I would like to thank my son, Hunter, who is the executive producer, and I call him my CTO, Chief Technology Officer. He tells me it's not a real thing, but I made it up. (laughs) So thank you, son, for your support and for answering my questions. Thank you to my son, Wyatt, for supporting me and being my sounding board. Also, thanks to the Marines that serve with my son, and thank you for having his back and making sure that he makes it home safely. I just want to tell everyone to have a great day. I'm sending you my love. Please take it and pay it forward to someone in your life today.